Greetings, adventure. Welcome to D20 Academy. I am your host, Shaloka Nishiro, and today is episode 18, Magic and Spellcasting. Alright, so today is a really cool topic, something I've uh, wanted to talk about for a while now, and, uh, you know, I finally got the chance to do it uh, this week. We're going to be talking about magic and spellcasting in D&D, um, something that I, you know, I really like about the game that's really cool about it. Uh, and, you know, doing the research and planning for this episode is really fun, and hopefully you guys learn something, get something out of it. Um, just a reminder, we do have uh, an Instagram, at D20 Academy Podcast, maybe? Maybe just at D20 Academy, I can't recall right now. Um, but go ahead and follow that uh, so you get kind of updates on the episodes that are coming out, kind of descriptions on what the episodes are, uh, and all that good stuff. Um, but without further ado, um, let's get into uh, magic and spellcasting. Uh, so re- real quick, let me kind of give you guys an overview of the talking points. Uh, so, so the main topic is, you know, magic and spellcasting. And uh, I'm going to go over magic in D&D, uh, magic in your campaign, and then get into actual spellcasting. Um, in 5th edition. And I also have two side topics uh, for this episode. Uh, one of them is cinematic magic, and the other one is magic in world building. So uh, sit back, relax, uh, and enjoy. Hopefully you learn something. Um, but yeah, let's get on to it. Okay, so magic in D&D. Um, magic has always been um, a part of, B- of D&D, right? It's, it's a very big trope. Um, in, in, in Dungeons and Dragons and in, in kind of the fandom, um, you know, magic is associated with fantasy, um, you know, culture, you know, the kind of fantasy settings, um, you know, ever since kind of the, the start of the, the fantasy genre with uh, Tolkien's work. Um, you know, magic has always kind of been a part of it. And as the fantasy genre has expanded into other books and TV shows and movies and video games, um, you know, magic has kind of taken on all these different forms, and, you know, we've seen all different kinds of magic and levels of magic in pop culture and, and in the fantasy genre and the stories that are told, um, you know, the fantasy stories that are told. But in Dungeons & Dragons, you know, it's it's a very big trope. It's it's everywhere in the posters and the books and everything. Um, if you have been able to tell, um, if you've kind of looked through the classes and things, I think about like half the classes are um, spellcasting classes. And then even the non-spellcasting classes typically have subclasses, which allow you to cast some spells, um, which is really cool. So in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, there's this kind of specific uh, kind of magic, right? Because, uh, you know, if you are all involved in any kind of uh, fandom of any other kind of uh, fantasy thing, whether it be Lord of the Rings or World of Warcraft or Game of Thrones, whatever, um, you've probably seen magic, you know, it's kind of different in all these different worlds and, and stories. Um, you know, the way magic is treated and how powerful it is and how common it is and all that. Um, so in, in D&D, there's this... Dungeons & Dragons kind of has its own particular kind of magic. Um, and in, in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, magic is split into two different t- uh, different kinds, arcane and divine. Um, so arcane magic is kind of your typical, like, wizard or sorcerer, um, fireballs, magical shields... Um, you know, just probably kind of just basic magic that they, you know, wizards pull their magic from like their knowledge and, and the spell books they have. Sorcerers pull the magic from within their soul. Um, and then there's divine magic, which is kind of what clerics and paladins um, use, which is magic, you know, channeled through like the gods' power and their faith and such. Um, and so, though 
spellcasting stuff isn't really different for either of these, and they, they don't mean too much in the whole scope of everything. Um, there is just kind of a difference there. Definitely when it comes to your world and your campaign, um, the way the world treats arcane magic and divine magic might be a little different. Um, so for example, if you follow uh, Critical Role, in the first season there was this, um, there was this place uh, called Vasselheim, uh, I think, and they didn't allow arcane magic there because it had led to lots of uh, damage and death in the past. Um, so wizards and sorcerers and everything couldn't really cast arcane magic, but they did allow divine magic um, because it was a very faith-based city. Um, there's like, you know, lots of uh, uh, devout uh, worshippers of certain gods in that city. So, um, you know, divine magic such as like casting healing spells and protection kind of spells. Um, yeah, so th that's kind of the difference between those two kinds of magic. Um, real quick, there is technically like other kind of subtypes of magic. Uh, like, so druids magic is technically natural magic, um, you know, which is themed around like nature and plants and those are kind of the spells they use. And then like warlocks technically have pact magic, which is magic that they pull from this magical pact they've made with, an, with another worldly being. Um, those are both technically arcane, um, like when considering between the two types, arcane or divine. Um, but, you know, there, there are obviously, the, the kind of source of magic and stuff is different from that of like a wizard or sorcerer, right? Druids kind of pull it from the earth, from the elements. Willocks pull their magic from their pact. Um, so just, you know, there is kind of different subtypes uh, within arcane and divine that I just wanted to uh, mention real quick. Um, but once again, this is kind of more of a flavor thing. Uh, it doesn't matter much in like the rules or anything like that. Um, all right, so that's kind of magic in D&D. &D. Now I'm gonna start talking about magic in your campaign. Okay, so in your campaign, um, there's going to be some kind of magic level, right? In your campaign, like your campaign setting, um, the world you're playing in, or even just the story you're playing, um, what's kind of the level of magic? Because magic is not just spell casting, right? It's not just wizard casting fireball or cleric casting healing word. Um, Magic can be anything, right? Magic can be like a part of the world, a part of the earth, uh, you know, the way things function. Magic can power certain things. Magic can like run through certain people's veins, you know what I mean? It's not, magic is not just the casting of spells. Uh, you know, like potions are magical and items can be magical and all that. Um, so, but you have to figure out what is the magic level in, in your campaign. Um, this mostly comes down to the DM. Um, but as a playgroup, you know, you should be, you should discuss this and, you know, figure out how common magic is in your world, how, how rare magic is in your world, um, how powerful it is, and, you know, all, all of that. So, for example, uh, I'm going to give three different campaign settings um, here and kind of talk about them. So the Forgotten Realms, right, that's kind of the classic D&D &D world. Forgotten Realms is like you know, all, all the D&D 5th &D edition material and everything is all, like, connected to the Forgotten Realms, um, which is basically the official D&D, &D, like, you know, campaign setting that most people play their campaigns in. Um, the Forgotten Realms has a, a high level of magic. There's lots of spellcasters, magic is everywhere. It's quite common. Um, then if we look at Middle-earth, right, um, from, from, like, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, um, Middle-earth is a little bit different. There are wizards and elves who are magical and some can like cast spells, but magic is, you know, much rarer and more mysterious. There's not as much hard to find rules 
uh, and such in in Middle Earth, right? It's a little more abstract and mysterious, and it's never really fully explained. Um, you know, the wizards like Gandalf and Saruman, they have magic and they can, like, you know, create light and shoot fire and such. Um, but what's the extent of their capabilities? Um, and, like, with the elves, they always talk kind of about magic and magic kind of run through them and their language and their, you know, their homes. But once again, it's not super defined and it's a little more mysterious. And then we look at a place like Westeros, uh, which is the world in Game of Thrones. Quick disclaimer, I've never actually seen the show or read the books. Um, so I'm not like a super big nerd about, you know, Westeros or Game of Thrones. But I do know um, a little bit about it. And I know that there is hardly any magic in the show. Um, it's very much just like medieval times, realistic. Just like the only way you fight is with swords and bows. Um, there's not a lot of magic. But there is some magic and it's kind of like you know, mysterious and kind of dark uh, in Westeros, but it's very rare and hard to find. So those are just kind of three examples of, you know, different levels of magic. So for your campaign, you're going to have to figure that out. If you do have people, like, casting spells and stuff, obviously there, like, there has to be, like, defined rules. This is a game, and there has to be rules to, to abide by and stuff. Um, but, you know, just tell, you kind of figure out what does magic mean in your world, and, uh, you know, what's, what's kind of the level of it. Now, as a DM, you want to make sure the party has a good level of magic enough uh, to deal with the problems that you throw at them, right? Um, it's fine to have, like, a non-magical party, right? No one in the party is spellcasters or anything. Um, you know, even if your world does have magic in it and no one just really chose to be in a spellcasting classes or whatever, that's fine. Players should be able to play what they want. Um, but just don't throw issues at them that can't be dealt with without magic, right? Magic and spellcasting in Dungeons & Dragons is, is, is a very versatile uh, thing, and, you know, it opens up so many options to solving problems and such and what that's kind of what makes it so cool and so interesting uh in the game and that's why part of uh why playing spellcasters is so fun i'll get into that a little later um but just you know make sure that it's fine to have like you don't throw problems at them even if you pre-plan them before you the party shows their classes and stuff uh that can't be dealt with without magic right um because that's not going to be fun for them uh, if you kind of check my uh, party balance episode uh, that I made a little earlier. I kind of talk about, you know, the level of, you know, magic or, or fighting or whatever in the party and make sure your problems match up with that. Also, um, you should encourage uh, players to be spellcasters. And if you're listening to this and you are a player, um, I encourage you to be a spellcaster. Um, for new people, it's, it's quite daunting. Uh, spellcasting seems a little complex. I will get into how spellcasting works. Uh, just give a really simple breakdown and try to simplify it as much as I can um, uh, in, in a little bit here. But yeah, I, I, I really think uh, players should should be playing spellcasters. Um, it's a really fun, really fulfilling experience. Um, you know, you can do so much with magic in the game. And spellcasting is so fun and keeps your options versatile and keeps things interesting, keeps combat uh, exciting. Uh, and so I think as a, as a player and as a DM, you should encourage your players, um, you know, just try out spellcasters. Uh, learning spellcasting may take a little while to get used to, um, but it really is uh, really, really cool. Um, on this note, uh, actually, no, I, oh, sorry. I was going to say about what classes you can play, but I'm going to get to that in a little, in a little bit. Um, so if you're listening to this in your DM, having monsters and enemies cast spells is something you kind of have to think about when you're, like, planning encounters and such. Right now, it is hard to run encounters 
where you have like multiple NPCs casting spells because you have to keep track of spell slots and look at the spell list that they know and you know sometimes the spell effects can be confusing and take a long time to resolve and all of that um so it is hard even to have one npc in a battle right whether an enemy or an ally of, of the party to be casting spells and having to keep track of all that so make sure you know what you're doing don't put tons of npcs that are casting spells into an encounter so you have to run and track everything it's going to be really hard on you and really annoying and slog the combat and really not be fun for for anyone um if you're an experienced DM, you know what you're doing, you know how spellcasting works, you can do it quickly. Go ahead, uh, having NPCs cast spells can be really cool uh, in combat and such. Um, one way is to just progressively introduce spellcasting enemies into your campaign, uh, so both you and your players can get familiar with the rule set. Right, so if you're a new DM, you have new, new players, you guys can kind of learn spellcasting together as the players are, you know, spellcasting classes, they're kind of learning how it works. Uh, and such as they progress, and you can slowly drip in more and more spellcasting NPCs, um, so you can get more used to uh, how spellcasting works and comfortable with all that. Um, but yes, it is hard to to run combat if you have multiple NPCs casting spells and having to keep track of all that is uh, is really hard and and really annoying. So I've made that mistake a couple times in in running uh, combat. Um, so just yeah, make sure you you know what you're doing. Okay. Now that I've talked about that, uh, let's get into spellcasting uh, in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. So in 5th edition, spellcasting is described as a single shaping of the magical energies that fuse the multiverse into a specific and limited expression. So that was just a lot of big words and complicated things. That basically means that when a character is casting a spell, they're like pulling the magical energy in the world to produce a desired effect. Right? Um, that's how spellcasting works in Dungeons & Dragons, right? Pretty simple. Um, spells are organized into nine different levels. Uh, there is technically like a level below one, like level zero, I guess, um, but that's just cantrips, which I'll get into in a second. Um, now, these nine levels indicate the different power level of a spell, right? The more you progress, the higher level you get, you're going to unlock more uh, access to higher level spells, and the higher the spell level, the more powerful it is. Right? Cool. Um, so that level zero thing is cantrips. If you haven't heard this before, cantrips in D&D are basically uh, very simple spells that casters do not have a limited amount of. Every other kind of spell casting, you know, kind of saps strength and energy and, you know, takes a toll on the character. And so they can only do spells, cast spells a limited amount of times. Whereas cantrips um, are cool little simple spells that can be cast an infinite amount of times for, with no cost from the caster. So for example, there's a couple combat ones like Acid Splash, Firebolt, Eldritch Blast, oh, very simple, uh, low damage attacks that a spellcaster can just cast as many times as they want. Right, so earlier uh, in, 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 you know, in the campaign when, when, when characters are lower level, they won't have tons of uh, energy to cast all these spells, the powerful spells, so they're going to, in combat, have to start resorting to some cantrips. There's also a couple other uh, cantrips that do tiny things like, you know, make a m little minor illusion, or clean something up, or like open windows, or snuff out candles, or something. Um, but basically, yeah, cantrips are like, don't take any energy, you can cast them an infinite amount of times. Um, so the higher the level, the less amount of spells there are to choose from, and the less amount of times you'll be able to cast it. Um, so yeah, and okay. 
in most spellcasting classes, like Withered, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, uh, you gain access to spells of a higher level about every two levels or so. Um, okay, spells um, are, yes, organized into the nine different levels as well as cantrips, but they're also organized into eight different schools, schools of magic. This is not actually um, explicit to, to Dungeons & Dragons. These eight different schools of magic you know, have appeared at a lot of places in fantasy pop culture and in the fantasy genre. Um, but in, in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, these eight, every spell has uh, fits into one of these eight different schools, which I'll go over now. Um, they all have kind of crazy, complicated names um, and maybe a little overwhelming, but I actually found a, a resource online that had like a very simple description of what kind of each one does, so I'm going to use that here. Okay, so in alphabetical order, the, the first school is Abjuration. Basically, this just means you protect stuff. So those are sh those are spells like shield, counterspell, death ward, um, stuff like that. Next school, conjuration, that makes stuff appear, right? Conjure animals, uh, acid splash, which is a cantrip that deals acid damage. Basically, you're creating acid, throwing it in their face. Call lightning, which is a spell where you create a storm and then call lightning down to destroy your enemies. That those are all conjuration spells. Next school is divination. Divination spells help you know stuff, right? So comprehend languages. It's a spell you cast on yourself to understand all the languages spoken around you. Uh, detect magic uh, is a spell that creates an aura around you that highlights any magical essence or any magical items or people. And then scry, uh, which is a high-level, um, very classic, um, stereotypical D&D spell, um, which is also, you know, scry is used in other kind of fantasy things as well. Um, scrying is essentially like, you know, kind of focusing and then like thinking about a place or a person and you get like a little camera view of that place, like a, like a scouting kind of, uh, that really wasn't the best description. Uh, you can look it up. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> okay. The next school of magic is enchantment, which is making things do stuff, right? So like affecting the minds of people essentially. So there's like command, which is a spell where you can enchant someone and then make them do your bidding. Hold person, which you enchant someone and paralyze them. Bless, where you enchant multiple people and increase their chances of hitting with their attacks and succeeding on their uh, skill checks. Uh, the next one is evocation, which is basically like destroying and healing stuff. So fireballs, um, cure wounds, which is a spell that heals your allies. Chain lightning, uh, you know, which is a spell that deals damage to multiple targets. Those are all in the evocation school. The next one is Illusion. Uh, this is just, you know, making stuff seem like other stuff. Uh, there's like a minor illusion where you can create a small sound or a small image. Uh, there's the spell Fear, where you make a couple targets see their worst fear and they become frightened. Uh, disguise Self, uh, which is a very useful first level uh, illusion spell, which makes you, you know, look like someone. Uh, after that, there's Necromancy, which basically is just like do creepy stuff. Um, necromancy kind of has to do with, like, life and death, right? So animate dead, right? Like, turning corpses into zombies, piles of bones into skeletons. Cloning. Someone clone is, like, a really high-level spell, creating, like, an actual artificial clone of something. Feign death, which I believe is a second-level spell. Um, you touch someone, and if anyone checks on them, it seems like they're dead, but they're actually not. So those are all kind of spells in the necromancy school. 
And the final school of magic is transmutation, uh, which is basically just change stuff into other stuff. So one of them is like an example of, of, of transmutation spells, Alter Self, which is a spell that can like give you flippers and gills to breathe underwater, or like um, kind of more coarse, you know, skin to have higher armor. Uh, there's like, oh yeah, Bark Skin is a transmutation spell which increases your armor class by making your skin harder. Um, there's a spell called Enlarge slash Reduce, which you guessed it, you target an object or a person and they get bigger or smaller. Uh, and so those are kind of examples of transmutation. Those are the eight schools of magic. Uh, I'm just going to recap them just real quick. Um, just, you know, because that's a lot of information, a lot of big words. Okay, Abjuration, protect stuff. Conjuration, make stuff appear. Divination, no stuff. Enchantment, making things do stuff. Evocation, destroying and healing stuff. Illusion, making stuff seem like other stuff. Necromancy, doing creepy stuff. And transmutation, change stuff into other stuff. So, there you go. That's kind of a simple breakdown of the eight schools of magic. Um, so every spell in 5th edition fits into one of these schools of magic. And um, it's kind of just a way of classifying the spells. Uh, it doesn't do much to the rule set, um, except if you if you are a wizard, uh, you the different subclasses you can choose from all focus on a different school of magic and when you cast spells of that school of magic you know you you can either cast them more powerfully or you get something whenever you cast them like that okay so knowing slash preparing spells so all classes know a limited amount of cantrips i remember cantrips are the are the simple spells uh, that you can cast an infinite amount of time to take no energy um you learn an additional cantrip like every five levels or so um, I think most classes start with like two knowing two cantrips. Uh, okay, so there's that. Some classes, um, bard, ranger, sorcerer, warlock, they know a limited amount of spells which they can cast. So when they're trying to cast a spell, they can only choose from the spells that they know. Uh, and they learn a new one about every two levels or so. So I think like the bard, you start knowing like three spells maybe. Excuse me. And then like every two levels you get to know another one and another one and another one, expanding your repertoire of spells you can know. Now, uh, the opposite of like knowing spells or, or kind of the other version of that is what clerics, druids, paladins, wizards kind of do, which is called preparing spells. So they prepare a limited amount of spells every long rest, which they can then cast. Um, and then the amount they can prepare increases every two levels or so. So the difference is the ones that know spells, they just know those spells, um, they can just cast those spells. With the with the pr classes that prepare spells, they technically have access to every spell in that class spell list. Um, oh, so by the way, at the end at the end of the, uh, of the player's handbook, at the end of the magic chapter, there's a list uh, for every class what spells they can learn. Right. So if you're a sorcerer, the spells that you can choose from will be in the sorcerer spell list at the back of the book. Right. Very simple. Um, so with the ones that prepare spells, they can. They have a limited amount they can prepare, and they can prepare any amount of spells um, from their spell list, right? And every long rest, they can change which ones they prepare. Um, so this is obviously much more powerful than just knowing spells, because knowing spells, those are just the spells, you will never be able to change those. Um, th you'll, those will just be the only kind of spells you can cast for the rest of, of the campaign, and you'll learn a new one every two levels or so. With preparing spells, every time you take a long rest, you can change which ones you can cast. You still have a limited amount you can cast uh, that you know, I guess, technically, but you can prepare a different d different ones every long rest, preparing on what kind of situation you're planning to go into or whatever. Um, so that is, is pretty power powerful and really cool. 
If you are a new player, I'd suggest going with a class that just knows spells like Bard, Ranger, Sorcerer, Warlock. Um, but preparing spells is more powerful and does add more variety and fun uh, for experienced players. Um, but yeah, if if you're kind of a new player, uh, just just have just like knowing spells is a little easier just because those are the ones you know you can choose from. Like those are the ones you can cast. Very simple. Every long rest, you don't have to go back to the spell list and figure out new spells and and get kind of overwhelming. Um, but if you're more experienced or you want more variety, more fun uh, in your spell casting, uh, you can choose a class like cleric, druid, paladin, and wizard where they can prepare spells. Also, um, I think like the like rogue and knight sub I'm oh, sorry, rogue and fighter subclasses, which like allow you to to cast spells like eldritch knight and arcane trickster, I believe. Um, I think they just know spells instead of prepare them. I'm not sure. Anyway. Okay, let's get into spell slots. So, spellcasters can only cast a limited amount of spells, right? Obviously, aside from from cantrips. Um, so, like, thematically, casting spells takes a physical and mental toll off of someone, uh, and this is represented as spell slots. So, you have a limited amount of spell slots per level. So, for example, you might have three first-level spell slots, two second-level spell slots, and one third-level spell slot. You can only cast spells of a certain level into spell slots of that level or higher. So if you want to cast a 5th level spell, it can only be cast expending a 5th level spell slot, or a spell slot of, of any higher level, 6th, 7th, 8th, or 9th, or yeah. But you can't cast a 5th level spell into a 4th level spell slot, right? Um, some spells also uh, give a little extra boost, a little extra power, if they're cast into a spell slot of a higher level. Um, most commonly, you regain access to all your spell slots after a long rest. Um, but there are some class features in monsters that have other ways to restore spell slots. Okay, so does this make sense? Because this is the most important part of spell casting, these, this spell slots thing. Your character has a number of spell slots for each level. Three first level spell slots, two second level spell slots, right? And when you cast a spell, you have to cast, because each spell has a level, right? First level, second level, third level. You have to cast it either into a spell slot of that level or a spell slot of a higher level. Right, so hope, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, that's really important. So then you expend that soul slot, and once you run out of spell slots, you can't cast any more spells of, the, of, of that level. Right? Okay, that, hopefully that makes sense. Um, real quick, I want to talk about ritual casting. Um, some spells have a ritual tag um, in the description of the spell, and that means that you can cast a spell without expending a spell slot, so with, with, with zero cost for free. Uh, the only caveat is you have to increase the casting time by 10 minutes. So if it takes 10 minutes longer to cast a spell, but it doesn't, uh, you know, expend a spell slot. Alright, let's get into spell components. So, every spell has a tag stating the components needed to cast it. So not only do you need to, you know, be able to ca have uh, an open spell slot available to cast the spell you want to, you have to make sure you have all the components open. There's three different kinds of components. And each spell might have one of these, two of these, three of these, any combination of these. Um, so there's V, which stands for verbal. So... If you want to cast a spell that requires verbal, uh, you need to be able to make sounds with your mouth, right? So this is like if you're like muttering an incantation or whatever. Um, but if you were somehow unable to to uh, make a sound with your mouth or speak, then you can't cast any spells that require more, uh, verbal components. S equals somatic. Um, so spellcaster needs to be able to move their hand or hands in a gesture to cast somatic spells. So if for some reason you are paralyzed or something, or you can't move your hands, you can't cast spells uh, that require uh, somatic components. Um, thematically, this is like, you know, weaving your fingers in a gesture or whatever um, that is used to casting a spell. 
Uh, the third kind of component is M, which means material. So um, to cast a material spell, spellcasters either need a spellcasting focus, an arcane focus, um, which is described in the player's handbook. It's very simple. So like an emblem or an amulet or whatever that you cast spells from. Or you have a component pouch, which is like a pouch you hold with you with all kinds of weird ingredients in there. Um, like materials in there that you use, you know, like sand and blood and acid or whatever that like you combine to, to cast these spells. So if for some reason you don't have your arcane focus or you don't have a component pouch, you can't cast spells that um, have the M tag, the material tag. So those are the three kinds of spell components. Some spells only take one of those, some take all three. Um, but yeah, just make sure you have the correct components required to cast a spell. If you and your playgroup is kind of new to spellcasting or new to D&D, I'd suggest just forgetting about this whole thing. The spell components section uh, does not need to be in your game. It just makes things a little more complex and a little harder on the players. Uh, more realistic too, but having to also worry about like, oh, can I speak or do I have the right materials and all that stuff, uh, it can be a little overwhelming and slow the game down. So if you just want to just get rid of those rules, you can. That's completely fine. Okay, now let's get to actually casting a spell. So, to cast a spell, right, you need to know it or have it prepared. Uh, you need to expend an appropriate spell slot, and you need to have the correct components. Now, each spell has a casting time, right? So, combat-focused ones usually take an action or a bonus action or a reaction, um, whereas other kinds of spells can take, like, 10 minutes to multiple hours to cast. Like, Resurrection, that takes... I think like eight hours or something. Well, maybe just one hour actually. Like one hour to cast. Magic circles. Uh, magic circle. I think takes like three hours. Prayer of healing takes like ten minutes. Um, so the more combat focused ones, the ones that do damage, the ones that quickly heal and all that, will typically just agree on action or bonus action. But there are some other spells that have really crazy effects um, that are used for outside combat, right? Which you know have their own casting time. All spells also have a range, so like sixty feet or like touch. Um, and then they also have to have a target or targets so like target a creature and then they obviously have to be with the range um or you can target some target is just like yourself um you have to target yourself which you know cast a spell on yourself and also all spells have a duration so most ones that like do damage or heal are just instantaneous right you just cast a spell has the effect that's it but then some might last for a longer time like one minute ten minutes an hour a couple days um, you know, depending on what the spell is. So, by the way, speaking of spells having durations, there's something called concentration. Now, concentration, uh, certain spells require concentration. It will say on the spell. So you can only be concentrating on one spell at a time. So if you're concentrating on a spell, and you cast another spell that also requires concentration, you, the, other, the first one you cast stops. Its effect ends because you can only concentrate on one spell at a time. Now, you can still concentrate on a spell and cast other spells, as long as they're not concentration spells. But you can't be concentrating on two spells at the same time. Um, also, whenever you take damage, you have to roll a constitution saving throw, uh, where the DC is either 10 or half the damage you just took, whichever one is higher. If you fail, you lose concentration on any spells you're concentrating on. If you succeed, uh, then you can keep concentration. Also, anytime you're knocked unconscious or killed, uh, you obviously lose concentration, and you can also drop concentration at will. So, now that you've cast a spell, um, it can either be two things, a spell attack or a spell saving throw. So, if it's a spell attack, it's just like an attack roll, you roll a d20, add your spellcasting attack modifier, and then if it equals or exceeds their, their armor class, right, their AC, then you hit, then you do the damage. If it doesn't, you miss, nothing happens. 
Or it might force the target or targets to make a saving throw, right? A, a dexterity saving throw, a wisdom saving throw. So they roll a d20, add their saving throw bonus, and if it equals or exceeds uh, your magic, your spellcasting DC, um, then they succeed on the save, and then if it's lower, then they fail on the save. Typically, if someone fails on a saving throw, they take the full extent of the damage or the effect, and then if they succeed on the saving throw, they either just don't take the effect or any damage at all, or they take like half damage or a lesser effect. So that's uh, kind of how spellcasting works in 5th edition. Uh, and now let's kind of get into one of my side topics that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, the first one being cinematic magic. So what is cinematic magic? Um, it's not really something that I've seen like really anywhere. Uh, actually, this is just the name I've made for it. Um, but basically, cinematic magic is when you're playing a campaign, when you're in, when you're in a, a, you know, in a, in a, a D and D story, and there's other kinds of magic that aren't spells, right? So like, if you have like sky ships that are like powered by like crystals or whatever, that's kind of like cinematic magic. There's no actual spell that does that or anything, but like you just discover like, oh, there's magic in the world that does this and that has this. Right, or like maybe you're like playing in this huge war in your campaign, and there's all these kinds of like magical effects going on. Um, people are like summoning like buildings or whatever. Any kind of magic, it, cinematic magic is basically any kind of magic that isn't actually a spell in the player's handbook, right? Like it doesn't actually have a spell that anyone can cast, but it's in there just for the story, for the campaign, right? It's It's cinematic, right? Magical effects that, you know, change the way things look or whatever, or like the world that they're in. Um, maybe don't actually, there's not actually a spell for that, but, you know, you're using it to either, like, to enhance the gaming experience. Um, right? So, as a DM, you don't have to make every every magical effect, everything in your game have to be a spell from the player's hand, but, like, have to abide by the rules of spellcasting. Um, you want to make sure, you know, just do it for the story, for the characters, for the campaign, uh, always, that's always the number one priority, and, and you don't have to abide by rules or whatever when, when you're doing something like that, right? So that's kind of what cinematic, ma cinematic magic is. Magic that is for the story, for the experience, um, that is not technically tied to an actual spell or, you know, anything that you can actually do in the game, in the rules, but, you know, it's just used there to, to enhance all that. So hopefully that makes sense, um, You've probably used cinematic magic already in your campaign, or, you, or you've seen it in other campaigns. Um, but yeah, there's there's a name for it. Um, that that's kind of what I call it. And I have a lot of cinematic magic in my campaigns, in my sessions. Um, you know, magic that players will never actually get access to because they're not actual spells. But you know, magic that is used to progress a story and have things happen and all that. Um, so, for example, in the campaign that I'm playing now, um, there there's this, this race. Uh, that have kind of been the villains for a lot of the campaign, and they're all, like, powerful spellcasters. They have this spell where um, two of these creatures, they together cast, like, a spell that opens up this gate, and two other magic spellcasters have to be on the other side to, in another location and also cast the same spell and open up another gate, and then anyone who passes through the gate will end up on the other gate, right, these magical gates. This is not an actual spell, in the player's handbook. No one, no, no, like, PC will ever be able to cast that spell. That's not a real thing. 
um, that is available to cast. But it's in the story and it's it, and it's in this world uh, used so I can make certain things happen and keep up with like story beats and progress the story along, enhance the experience, all that, all of that, right? So that's kind of an example of cinematic magic. Um, so yeah, that was a very brief uh, kind of side topic there, but just in case you can have questions about what that meant or kind of um, how that works in D&D. Uh, yeah, do, do whatever you want w with magic. Um, you know, it's all about having fun. It's all about the experience. It's all about the story. Um, so don't ever feel like you have to abide by the rules or follow actual spellcasting, all that thing. Uh, you know, just just do whatever is appropriate for your, for your campaign. All right, now let's get into the second side topic for today's episode, which is magic and world building. So this is also going to be uh, fairly brief. But I just do just want to go over uh, magic. So, uh, if if you are a, a a DM or someone who is creating their own world for to you know to play their own campaign in, um, one thing you have to think about when creating this world or building this world. Um, honestly, this is actually even apart from D and D. Even if you're just like writing a novel or doing whatever, just you know, if you're go making a world, a fantasy world, you have to consider some of these things about the magic in the world, right? So the first one, obviously, what is the level of magic in your world? Is it everywhere? It like runs through the trees and the elements and through people and everyone can, like lots of people can cast spells and it's very common, right? Like the Forgotten Realms. Is it more kind of mysterious and rare like Middle Earth? Is it like dark and very rare like in Westeros? So you know, figure out the magic level in your, in, in your world. Also figure out what is the source of the magic? Are there multiple sources of magic? Uh, is it just limited to arcane and divine magic? Uh, Maybe there's not even arcane divine magic. Magic is much more of a confusing, perplexing thing. Um, what you know? What is the source? Is is it the earth? Is it certain m minerals? Is it certain kind of people? Right? How how do people draw magic? What what is the source of magic and magical effects? Another thing to consider is like, are there certain races or creature types that have affinity towards magic itself, or maybe certain kinds of magic? Right? Like are elves more you know more akin to like have more affinity towards magic or maybe just like nature magic and then like dark elves and more affinity to like necromancy um you know maybe certain races or creature types are connected to magic uh you know depending on how you're building your world another question is like if it is in a multiverse so like if you're playing it building like a DD world technically um you know the other planes right how do they affect the magic in your world um are they like do some like overlap and open things how do the planes around you know, your world affect how magic is. Maybe those are the source of magic, or through that, how, how, is there planar travel? Can you travel to different planes using magic? Um, figure out how planes and magic interact. Another one to consider is, like, is magic openly accepted in your world, or is it taboo? This might be general all over the world, or it might just be specific to certain, like, cities or towns or regions, um, whether it's widely accepted or taboo or not, right? Maybe certain kind, just certain kinds of magic, like arcane or just necromancy, is kind of outlawed or tabooed in, in, in certain locations. Um, another question to think about is, in your world, what does it mean to be a spellcaster? Right? What does it mean to have the power to be able to cast spells and to manipulate magic in the way you want to? Are only like powerful um, people spellcasters? Can, can peasants be spellcasters? Um, do they immediately become heroes? Are they hunted down? What does it mean uh, to be a spellcaster in the world that you're building? Okay, so that was just kind of a, just some questions that you would kind of want to ask if you are building a world. Uh, how does magic interact with that? Obviously, there's so much, uh, you know, so much deeper I can get into in, in, 
magic and world building. But just kind of want to briefly touch on that just for anyone right now who's who's kind of working on a, a world and uh, if they kind of forgot about that or kind of need a place to start, uh, those are some questions for you there. And that brings us to the end of uh, today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I, I hope you learned something. Uh, I actually learned a couple of things while planning for this and I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, so, next week... It's going to be Monster Monday. It's the first Monday of September. Um, so we're going to be, uh, instead of posting on a Tuesday, it will be uh, on, on the Monday. And uh, I'm not going to reveal what the monster is yet, but I've been working on it and I'm really excited. Um, so look out for that next week. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Once again, go go follow the uh, the podcast on Instagram at, uh, at D20 Academy or D20 Academy Podcast. I forgot. Um, but uh go check it out on instagram so you get updates on what's going on and all of that uh thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a great day